Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, thank you for leaving us all those reviews on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Jay Beardmore. This podcast is at the Rugby Dungeon and of course there's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast out every Monday without fail. That's at Rugby Podcast. Right, today's guest is Nick Kennedy. Nick Kennedy has played at London Irish, he's played at Harlequins, also played at Toulon, but is currently one of the most promising young directors of rugby probably in the entire Aviva Premiership. He's just brought his team, London Irish, up from the Championship, winning those incredibly tricky playoffs, as Bristol will tell you all about, and is now about to speak to me over the phone whilst watching his back division play. So, without any further waiting, here is my interview with Nick Kennedy. Hope you enjoy it. Right, well, I'm happy now to be joined by a man who's nearly as famous as his mum, who's an author. It's Nick Kennedy. How are you, Nick? I'm good, thank you very much. Very good. We're uh, we're week week three of our pre-season, and uh, I'm currently just watching the backs do some light skills, and uh, happy happy to be chatting to you. Excellent. What does your normal sort of day day entail then, Nick? Uh, a normal pre-season day at the moment. We're in Monday to Friday. Um, we'll do an hour of skills every morning, and then while the backs do skills, the forwards will be doing their weights for roughly an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have a we'll have a meeting, uh, a bite to eat, and then we'll head back out for a rugby session, which uh, we, we sort of divide our days up into defence, attack, our exits, some some unit stuff, um, which gets us through to the Friday, and then uh, give the boys the weekends off because just about to play a lot of games in a row till till May, so. It's nice for them to actually spend some time with their families and enjoy a weekend off. How does your pre-season feel compared to last year's pre-season? I bet there's a lot different atmosphere in the camp. Um, it's different in that we're, we're a year in, so I think we were, we were really under the pump last pre-season with um, you know changes to our our coaching team, a lot of new players, uh, new systems to put in place. Whereas now. We're a year into our into our our setup, into our systems. So mm-hmm. it's a lot more fine fine tweaking as opposed to uh, to revamping the way that we play. Okay. Now your recruitment this year um, has been interesting. It, it feels like you're not trying to buy in players, for instance, like Bristol did last year, big names, but more just sort of to re to to reinforce the squad. Is that an accurate an accurate description of what you've been doing so far? Um, well, we started our recruitment very early last year. Um, you know, it can be difficult recruiting from the league below. Mm. With the playoff system, we didn't know what league we were going to be in until the 24th of May, which, <laughs> which can make things, things a little bit more difficult. But look, we looked to bring in quality players to replace some players that were leaving. Yeah. Some players, um, you know, retiring. Some guys just moving on to some different things. Some guys moving on to different clubs. So we just looked to bring in uh, some, some quality, but we didn't want to sign too many players. So the important thing for us was retention. So we started off retaining, and that started with our academy, making sure that all of the best youngsters that myself and Paul and Paul Hodgson, Deck and Danner have worked with for the last three or four years um, stayed with us and you know, in, investing in our future with those guys. So retained all of our top academy players. And then we went to work with retaining the rest of our, you know, our squad, the guys that we wanted to take forward. So it was really important to me that the majority of our squad stayed the same. I think we had we had some issues. You know, we were the worst team in the Premiership, but I, I did think that we had some very good players. So it was important that, that we kept that the same, and then added on some quality 
um, into the top of that. And for me, that was that was ten players, ten players that we've we've done a lot of homework on, watched an awful lot of lot of footage, um, spoken to a lot of ex coaches, ex players, current players, current teammates, and make sure that we're bringing in the right sort of people for our environment. It's, uh, you know, everyone talks about culture and environment, but <laughs> ultimately, we, we, we enjoy coming to work every day. So we don't want to bring in people that are going to they're going to jeopardise the smiles on our faces. We want to, people that are going to put smiles on our faces. So um, yeah, we did a lot of homework on on these ten new recruits, and so far the ones that have arrived have been excellent. And uh, for us, it's all about teaching them our ways, teaching them the way we play as quickly as possible, so we can hit the ground running. Come uh, Harlequins in the double header. Yeah, well, one of the interesting things about London Irish is, well, the coaching staff, yourself included, you uh, you mentioned uh, Hodgson then, you're all London Irish pretty much through and through. Is that part of this culture that, you, that you're trying to bring? Um, yes, definitely. I mean, from the top, Brendan Venter. Brendan of course, yeah. I actually played with Brendan for, for two years when I first started at London Irish. I did Declan Danaher. Um, you know, Declan. Dex played over 270 games for the club. Myself and Paul around 250 games for the club. Um, so definitely that passion is there. And uh, as I say, from Brendan at the top, you know, from Bob Casey, who was our CEO at the very top, um, there's a definite love for the team and uh, a real passion in wanting to succeed and try and put try and put the club on on the map of uh, of world rugby slowly but surely. Mm. So um, look, that 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 comes through. But then you know we've got a lot of passion coming through from from the bottom. From our from our academy boys, like <laughs> there's, there's nothing quite like getting to train with the first team after being in the academy for years and years. And yeah. we've got a lot of boys that have been here since since they were 13. And you know, you just today was was stash day. You give out the, the bag of kit, and uh, <laughs> and it's special to them because <laughs> because in the academy they only got a t-shirt, and now they've got a big bag full of kit. And um, you can see how much it means to them. And we get those boys to speak a little bit about how much it means to them. And um, yeah, I think uh, that, that is something that we're trying to do from the top and from the bottom, and it, it definitely filters through to the whole squad. I think most academy lads would probably sacrifice all the, all the money that they had to receive a bag of stash. <laughs> well, yeah, unlucky for them, it's not much money. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, can you just talk to me a little bit about the role of Brendan Venter? Is he is he involved this year as well? And exactly what role is is he fulfilling? So Brendan is our technical advisor. Um, Brendan sort of shaped our, our game plan, um, shaped a lot of what we what, what we do. He was in um, last year an awful lot, and now he's since then it's sort of once a month, hmm. for sometimes a week, sometimes for a few days. But Brendan and I will speak on on the text every day, and we'll speak on the phone probably twice a week. Um, and yeah, look, he's brilliant. He's a uh, He's like the the Yoda, he, you know. He knows everything. He's, he's been there and done that. He, he's made the mistakes. He's he's learned so much. He's a, just an extremely knowledgeable rugby man. And um, I say, yeah, myself and Deck played for two years with him a long time ago. So we've known him an awful long time. And yeah, uh, yeah look, his energy and his intensity rub off on everyone around him, which is fantastic for the club. Now, do you mind if I ask? Was Brendan Venter sort of in place as a technical advisor first? Or was it something that you requested as a, as a director of rugby? Because this is your first director of rugby ship, I understand, yeah? It is, yeah. No, but Brendan was in first. Um, mm-hmm. I was head of the academy, and um, Brendan was in, and I was going to help out coaching the line-out. And then um, things sort of changed for us as we got relegated, and Tom Commentary was going to stay on. And then 
quite late doors, he decided that he fancied going home and all of a sudden, yeah, Brendan pulled me outside the day before the players were starting back and just sort of asked me if I'd do it. And um, I said no, but you don't really say no to Brendan and convinced uh, <laughs> me around. And, and then we uh, we were introduced to the players as a coaching team the next day. So you know, this is a very difficult question, I guess, because I'm asking you to think on your feet. But I mean, are there any particular nuggets of wisdom that, that Brendan has passed on from his roles in Saracens or South Africa or Italy? Is, is he coaching anyone else as as well, surely he's got time for one more. <laughs> he's, uh, no, look, he's a busy man. He's also he's a doctor, so he's busy with his uh, with his surgery at home. But what, does um, he... I don't think we'd have time on the podcast to go through the the, the, the knowledge and the nuggets that he's passed on. You know, it's it, it's constant. Um, he's uh, you know he's he's the best technical uh, advisor that that we could ask for. That's um, so he is still doing his doc his doctor stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, he's a busy man. As I say, he's, he's got a lot of energy, a huge intensity about him, and uh, you know, he needs a, a lot of outlets for that energy. So um, he keeps very busy. Wow. Well, um, this is actually the second time that I've spoken spoken to yourself. If we discount all the times that I pester you on text for an interview, um, <laughs> but the first time we, the first time you met was actually in America. Now, can you just tell me a little bit about your coaching coaching journey? Because, of course, you were there coaching the USA team in the lineup, I, I, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. That um, over in Chicago, that game actually went quite bad for USA, but but the lineup was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I just uh, I spoke to Mike Tolkien and uh, Justin Fitzpatrick, who were the coaches of the USA at the time, and I did a little bit of work with them. I remember that two seasons ago. Um, I did a couple of camps over in San Diego and then coached the line out for that All Blacks game. Um, so, yeah, I can't even remember that was now. A, a good two, maybe three seasons ago. I think it's three seasons ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, so that, that was just, just, just while I was working in the academy. I was, um, just got a, a week off here and there to go and do that, which was great that the club let me go and uh, try and develop as a coacher. Well, you certainly wasted no time because I seem to remember you saying when we met when we met you that you were off to the sh- the, the Chicago Bears. So, did you actually make that trip and yeah. did you pick anything up? Yeah, yeah, I got I got the train down there. It was like a three hour trip down there, um, and it was brilliant. They were they were very hospital too. They they showed me all around and spent a lot of time with me talking about about their culture and how they do things and uh, extremely impressive place. You know, massive gym. Um, just you know, they've thought of absolutely everything there. Just as, as they finish filming the their session, they put a little microchip from the camera in an American football, throw it down to another analyst who runs it in. Really, uh, the coaches have walked off walked off the pitch. The session is on their computers, ready to go as they arrive in the coaching office, which uh, I thought was uh, was impressive. Wow, that sounds absolutely incredible. And, and have you managed to incorporate anything which you've learned from uh, from there in, into London Irish? <laughs> no, not, not, yeah, we, we probably don't have the budget. But, um, <laughs> no, not necessarily. No, I mean, they, they were quite curious about uh, rugby as as, um, as a culture. You know, they, they'd read about the All Blacks and uh, money. So much money being in the sport can potentially sometimes ruin that. Mm. And, uh, it, does, it doesn't necessarily make you a tighter team. The more money that comes into the game, so yeah. we, we sort of discuss. We discuss team building and, and ways to, to build build cultures. But um, other than that, it was just a, it was just a very impressive facilities and um, 
just just the way that as you walk into their kitchen, there's posters everywhere exactly what you'll eat and how many you know vitamins and the percentages of carbohydrates and protein and um, snack stations in the gym and and all sorts of stuff that I'd love to bring in, but we're just we're not quite there yet. That's absolutely incredible. Um, now, actually, thinking back about it, I think there is. I think there's a video going around from Seattle Seahawks, and they've kind of outlined all the different types of rugby tackle in far more detail than I've ever seen in Rugby Union, because apparently that's how they see the future for the, for the sustainability of their players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's coached so much from a, from a young rugby player that the safety of the tackle and getting ahead in the right place, and I'm not sure how much the American football guys put the emphasis on that so they're yeah. definitely yeah just trying to learn from from the rugby tackle um concussions now huge over there so they're just doing everything they can to try and minimize that yeah now you mentioned before that um more money in the sport doesn't necessarily make you a tighter team do you think that could be the impact of the salary cap which is as soon as you spend up to your cap you're inevitably going to have to let some players go who are good team team guys because they just don't fit into the cap rather than the amount of money been been spent yeah it's always a balancing act for every club every board every director of rugby to uh to decide on your squad players or you know top end famous star players or young players coming through and when you've got squads with academies you know around 55 plus players that um it's it's a very big balancing act and everyone does it slightly differently um you know, Saracens obviously being oh, an extra now, the most successful teams in the country. They're, they're obviously the ones getting it right at this stage. Mm. Now, um, you mentioned before that you were in the academy. And if there's one thing London Irish, particularly in recent years, uh, is relatively famous for, it is their academy products. Now, if you look back at it, I, I think I had Glenn Delaney on, on the show a few, uh, a few weeks ago. And he thought that London Irish would have won the Premiership if they'd have kept their cohort of academy products from about I know, was it about five six years ago now the Jonathan Josephs and uh, uh, and 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 such like. Is there and Watson, Alex Corbisera, Jamie Gibson? There's Jonathan loads in there, absolutely loads. Yeah. Um, so, from a London Irish po- point of view, now is there a sort of determination not to let the same mistakes repeat itself uh, repeat themselves? Yeah, it's interesting that the perception of that and the reality of everyone sort of said, oh, the academy got raided and the academy wasn't good, when actually all the players had graduated into the first team. It wasn't an academy thing whatsoever. The academy yeah. had the next set of players coming through. And London Irish Academy has always produced good players. We've, got, we've had two great counties in Berkshire and Hampshire that have always produced top-end rugby players. We've actually just inherited Middlesex with Wasp leaving. So we've increased our academy by 40% wow. last year, uh, which is huge in terms of the numbers base we now have to work with. And uh, considering we were successful before, to increase by 40% is really, really exciting for the club moving forward. But those guys left for the main reason of our whole team was underfunded. Yeah. We were struggling for, for money as a club. So we were under-resourced. We didn't have the S&C team that we do now. We didn't have the medical and physio team that we do now. We didn't have the resources, the GPS systems and things like that that we do now. So very ambitious young players, first-team players like JJ, uh, Ann Watson, Alex Corbacero, um, left to move on to bigger and better things at, at that time, which uh, you know no one blames them for. And they went on and, and got great success from it. 
Do you think London Irish are in a much better position today to hold on to the next um, Jonathan Joseph than, say, they were when Jonathan Joseph left, for instance? Yeah, look, it's like chalk and cheese since the new uh, owners came in um, at Crossing of Power Day. Um, we've bought a new training ground. So, you know, our old place, uh, we had a gym that was a it was the old canteen when I used to when I started out there. Um, mm. Now we've got a we've got a giant training base. We've got eight minutes as far as the eye can see. We've got state of the art gym. We've got an extremely well resourced medical team, S and C team, um, team of analysts. It's just it's completely different. Um, everything off the pitch is in place. Mm-hmm. We just had a, a, a very bad year rugby-wise two seasons ago, and uh, we were the worst team in the Premiership. We, we deserve to go down, and it's probably been coming since that, that decline of not being resourced, not having the money to compete, um, losing those those excellent young players. Um, you know, it didn't happen that season because some you know these things take time to, to sort of erode away. And then we, we took our medicine. We've, we've gone down and. Um, we're now trying to build our way back up. Now, from your academy structure, um, I mean, you are still producing um, excellent young players. Is there anyone in particular that you're quite excited to see or the fans should be quite excited to see for next year? Um, Loads of them. I mean, I think now with this extended A-League, the supporters are going to get a real good chance to to see them on on a regular basis as well as... Uh, we'll be playing our youngsters in the in the LV Cup too, but yeah, we've got we've got loads of guys. We've got exciting forwards in Jack Cook, Josh Basham, um, even even younger than that, a guy like Ben Donnell, who's actually 16, but soon turning 17. But wow. come through and play some rugby for us in the backs, uh, new sorry, arrivals. And what what position is he? Because he must be pretty good if he's 16, turning on turning on 17, catching the eye of the director of rugby. Uh, well, you got, you got to remember the director of rugby works in the academy for three years. So <laughs> I've, I've, co- I've coached the boys a bit, and uh, um, yeah, I, I, I know all of our academy boys coming through fairly well because because of that. But um, he is a, he is a lock slash six. Um, but yeah, just just an example of um, you know uh, the good thing about our academy as well is that the boys will get opportunities. Mm. Uh, it's something that we've, we've we've done as a club for a long time. It's something that, that we really believe in to back our youngsters and play them. Um, how much interaction is there between the the academy and the first team? Do do you do you train together? Yes, yes. Our senior academy all train with us full time. Mm-hmm. Our academy coaches sit on the table next to our first team coaches. Um, you know, we, we all work together over the, the previous years closely together, and now we're still uh, we're still very close. We, we eat breakfast together every morning, and, and we discuss the boys um, coming through. It's something that I think is a a real advantage of our academy now, the fact that you know, we've got excellent coaches, Declan Downer, Paul Hodgson, that again have done three, three and a half years working in the academy, so they know all the systems, they know all the players, um, they really you know, learn their trade down there, and now our first team are, are benefit, benefiting from that. Excellent. Now, if you don't mind me saying, um, when I used to watch you, watch, you, watch you as a player, the one thing which really surprised me was how, um, how early the how early that you retired. Um, I always thought that you had a lot of rugby left in you, but I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure that you'll correct me on that. Was one of the reasons that you retired early because you you were determined to go down this coaching route? Yeah, I, I, I came back from Toulon and signed a three-year deal with Harlequins. Uh, Connor O'Shea brought me, uh, brought me over quite late that summer. I was home with my, my current wife, girlfriend at the time, was studying a, a doctorate in London, so I was, I was quite motivated to come back to London. I was 
I never won the Premiership. It's something I was desperate to do my entire career. And mm-hmm. um, we got to a final once, but I just I never did it. It was most bit of an, an obsession of mine, and um, I believe Harlequins could do it. And uh, some friends at the club, so signed with them. Started out had an operation on my knee, probably the worst start when you join a new club to be injured because you just you feel like a lemon. Yeah. Um, and I was on the back foot really from then on, and I think I played 14 games for the club, but. I wasn't playing brilliantly. I didn't feel like I was, uh, you know, adding massively to the to the team on the pitch, which was a shame because I, I sort of I backed myself to do that throughout my career. So an opportunity came up to go to London Irish and run their academy, and um, uh, you know, Conor O'Shea was brilliant at the time, but just letting me out for my deal. And um, yeah, I, I, I retired at 32 and just cracked on with, with the coaching and running the academy. I thought it was such a good opportunity. Sometimes you just got to grab those opportunities with, with both hands. And um, I, I always wanted to go out on the top of my game. I, I never wanted to be that, um, that old mangy dog that no one wants to pat at mm. the end of your career. Yeah, I mean, if, if you don't, don't mind me saying, you seem to have made the transition to, um, transition to coaching remarkably easily. Yeah, look, I mean, I've, I'm sort of I'm more of a manager than a coach. Um, Paul Hodgson, Deck Downer, George Skivington, these boys do all the all the hard graft and all the all the coaching. So um, I think because those guys are so good, that's made my uh, transition easy. Very, 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 very modest of you, Nick. Yeah, well, no, it's true. It's true. Um, look, we're all we're all extremely hard workers. Um, we had we had some success with in the in the academy winning that league, but um, and yeah, you know, sort of trying to turn our academy around a little bit. Um, we got we got lucky with Middlesex coming in as well, which is fantastic for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you know, in the in the championship, it was an extremely tough league. Uh, is a league I've got a lot of respect for now, more respect than, than before, because I didn't know loads about it until we went down there. But it was tough. But ultimately, I know everyone from the outside will say, you know, we had more of a budget. We had uh, potentially better players on paper. Mm. So, of course, you know, um, of course we were going to go up. But but with the playoffs and the pressure of the playoffs... Um, oh, it's never straightforward. Those... No, it isn't. No, it's difficult. You know, Bristol found that for a few years, and it, it was difficult. But... We're extremely lucky that the boys um, just were so motivated after going down. Um, as I say, you know, we, we took our medicine, no one moaned. We deserved to go down, and they just just went about their business nicely every single day, just trying to get better, trying to improve, and um, and fought their way back up. Now, what would constitute a re- um, a realistic successful season for you boys? I mean, it, it can't be simply finishing eleventh. Um, look, I think it's a difficult one because one of our values is being positive. So we want to be positive. You know, we want to come to work with a smile on our faces. We want to really enjoy what we do. And that was a lot easier potentially last season because we won every game apart from one. Yeah. So <laughs> sports a funny thing. You know, a win can paper over a lot. And um, it, it does make things more enjoyable, but we're all, we're all very competitive people and we all want to win. Now, we're not stupid enough to think we're going to go to the Premiership and win every game. It just it does not work like that, and it is going to be very tough. Hmm. Um, so our challenge is, is how do we stay positive? How do we keep our, our environment and our culture? How do we keep coming into work with a smile on our faces um, amongst some potentially very, very difficult results and some, some difficult challenges ahead? So... For us, it's all about improving. You know, we were the worst, worst team in the league, so 
we need to improve and you know we'll, we'll analyze that individually we've all got work on that we need to get better so you know all of our training sessions are filmed and, and statted and are we if i've got a young man that needs to work on his pass on the floor is he actually improving um so we'll we'll look at that in great detail you know a few work on each player are we getting better and then as a team are we getting better you know we've got some specific kpis that that we look at and they're going to be different now in the in the Premiership to the Championship because the opposition is just better. There's a much higher quality of player in, individually and as a team. So, um, you know, our KPIs are going to have to shift slightly. Yeah, and uh, we'll keep me- measuring ourselves on that improvement. Um, that's really interesting. Something you said before, which is one of your jobs is to keep the team positive. Have, have you thought about you know how you're going to go about this? Say, if you hit a bad run of games in December or something. Yeah, um, by looking at the improvement. So you know, we, we control what we can control. We, we we work extremely hard and make sure we keep working extremely hard. I don't see that buttoning off. I I just see that getting uh, getting you know more intense and always working harder and harder. And then it's about getting better. You know, we um, teams that have come up struggle at first because of the the pace and the intensity of the the step up mm. is, is is very different. So. Um, you know, we'll, we'll learn our lessons very quickly as as coaching team and as a as a playing team, and we'll look to just keep keep improving. Excellent. Uh, well, Nick, you've been more than generous with your time. Um, before you go, just um, just mind everyone um, what 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 your pre seasons this year, uh, and also where can we find where can we find find you and London Irish on social media. Um, our pre season, we are. We are actually having a little training session against Bath next week, which will be great. Oh, awesome. And then on the 12th, we play Harlequins at our training ground. The following Friday, we play Ealing at our training ground. Mm-hmm. And then the Saturday, the 25th, we play Richmond at the athletic ground up in Richmond. And then that is us ready for the, the double header and the first Saturday in September. Excellent. Uh, social media wise, London Irish. I guess if you if you punch it in <laughs> yeah. the search engine, you'll find They'll find it. it, they'll find it. <laughs> and yourself? Uh, myself, I, I don't really go on much anymore. I, I definitely haven't posted for a long time. Um, <laughs> I don't blame you. So, so yeah, you, you're better off. Uh, you can call the club if you need to talk to me. No, no problem at all. Yeah, one last thing. Uh, I was thinking there's a little bit of a business strategy for London Irish. Maybe you should have a standard yeah. a standard ticket price, but you should also charge a supplement for every time that Alex Lewington plays. Okay, why is that? Because he's so exciting. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure he'd enjoy that. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll run it past our marketing team and see what they say. Fantastic. Nick... Thank, thank you so much for your time and best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Uh, Cheers.